0: Welcome to Day 2 Cloud, and in today's episode, out-of-band management for your infrastructure, only not simply out-of-band, no. Think of the device supplying you the out-of-band connectivity as also being the device that's the box you run your automation tooling on. Our sponsor today is ZPE Systems. We're going to talk through out-of-band management network design. If your idea of an out-of-band management is like a jump box and some terminal servers, there is a lot more to the story when you bring automation tooling into the picture. Our guests are Renee Newman, Director of Solution Engineering at ZPE Systems, and Frank Basso, EVP of Operations at Vapor.io, a.k.a. That Operations Guy. Renee knows all about how the ZPE gear works, and Frank is a ZPE customer who's going to chat about Vapor IO's use of ZPE gear in their edge compute site. So let's kick off the conversation with Renee. Renee, I think ZPE Systems is new to the day two cloud audience here. So you got to start from the beginning here. Who is ZPE Systems, and what do you folks do?
1: So, ZPE Systems, so we're a US company, around about 10 years old, um, and dealing since then in the out-of-band business. So that is really our core. So um, think about traditional out-of-band console, IPMI, KVM, all that operations security management. That is exactly where we came from, or that is still what we do. It's our core business, really. But we do a good bit more uh, because essentially we use out-of-band as a starting point, and then we go from there to package the whole thing up using... uh, DevOps, NetOps concepts to really provide an automation infrastructure platform for our customers.
0: Okay, we're definitely going to dig into the DevOps component, but you guys have been around for 10 years, Renee. How come I haven't heard of you? I've done lots of out-of-band and KVM and so on over the years, but ZP hasn't come across my radar. Am I just not paying attention?
1: Maybe, no. <laughs> so we really grew in the U.S. with really large customers. That is where we come from. That is our core business So we have multi-thousand nodes deployment. And over the last couple of years, we really are starting to break into the enterprise space. Uh, So I would say in the enterprise space, we are still relatively new. And that's probably the reason why you haven't heard of us. And there hasn't been really that much of a buzz either.
0: No, that's exactly fair. If you're just breaking into the enterprise space now and start to do market penetration there, that's where I've spent most of my time as a network engineer and data center ops kind of a human I haven't worked at a hyperscaler or for a cloud provider that kind of thing where you guys seem to have uh, got your got your start. Now, ZPE talks a lot about automation infrastructure that the platform you make is is for automation infrastructure. What does that mean? Because it's not like you're not like competing with Ansible. That's not what you do. So how do you guys mean automation infrastructure?
1: correct so the whole concept of automation infrastructure is really coming from from customers like frank and and others which we have met uh, over the last couple of years and if you look at automation or orchestration most people just implement the the tool whatever that is uh, could be ansible could be glueware you, you name them and then typically you just automate your infrastructure uh, so your routers, your switches, your whatever you might have in your environment. But you don't really think about the infrastructure which needs to sit in between to get the automation running. So there are not many customers who think about what happens if my automation goes wrong. Let's put it that way. And that is what the automation infrastructure is all about. It's about the tools which you need to have in place to ensure your automation works, can reach your end devices, and you can recover.
0: So, if I've got a server that is the platform I tend to run my Terraform from, you're saying that's what people aren't putting enough thought into?
1: It's more between that, that server and your final infrastructure. If you really, so if you just look about cloud, then the cloud providers would typically provide that infrastructure. If you look at more a hyper cloud environment where you have um, infrastructure yourself, which you want to maybe just end up like a cloud environment, then that environment sits somewhere in a data center, in hmm. an edge environment, in a closet, in somewhere, wherever that might be, right? So that is exactly where you need all those different tools as well.
0: Got it. Okay. So you're you're stepping in there to uh, to to fill that to, to fill that void, make sure I've got a more sure um, way to reach my gear and uh, and in fact, giving me a place to run my tools. Would I would I run Terraform or Ansible on? Uh, on my ZPE
1: box, correct. Ah, that is exactly okay. all what we are doing. So, uh, so let's be honest. That automation infrastructure concept isn't really new. People are doing it already today, right? So, but what are most people are doing is they have a small little nook or, or some form of a jump box somewhere. They might have smart hands sending out if something goes wrong. Um, they might have a small Linux box with their fire storage with their TCP dump with your local automation tool, whatever that might be, already running on each, on each site. Then typically what else you have, you have an ATE connection somewhere. You might have um, some other form of WAN connectivity like MPLS or anything like it. So most of that is already there, but it's mo- in most cases, it's copied together from whatever you have lying around or hmm. you buy it from, from scratch.
0: it. Because I got excited about the automation infrastructure, maybe I missed some of the most key elements of what your platform actually does, which is the connectivity. And as I was digging around, trying to understand the ways in which your box can provide me with out-of-band connectivity, there's a lot there. There's, uh, of course, wired and wireless and so on. Uh, But I'll let you tell us that, Renee.
1: If we look at that automation infrastructure, we are looking at three main core building blocks. One is that out-of-band piece, which is not just console connectivity, but it's uh, IP connectivity through SSH, Telnet, RDP, VNC, Web UI, APIs, IPMIs, so that entire management network layer essentially going down, and there we can provide full connectivity. We have uh, console uh, ports, we have normal Ethernet ports, SFP interfaces, whatever you might have in your infrastructure. On the WAN side, then we offer a full range of connectivity as well, mm-hmm. starting from MPLS over normal Ethernet, fiber connectivity, LTE connectivity with multiple LTE modems if you wanted to, failover between modems, 5G, Wi-Fi, you name it, essentially we have the connectivity built into our boxes.
0: So I've got multiple ways that I can connect into the box, uh, into the ZPE platform, meaning that if my main network goes down because some kind of a change went bad, I've got one or more back doors that get me onto the zp box, so that i can fix what's broken
1: exactly so essentially what we can provide to our customers is really a dedicated out-of-band van <laughs> my, my boss actually came up with the term ob van uh, for out-of-band infrastructure van connectivity so.
0: uh sure because if it's all like uh, 5g or lte connected i've got this out-of-band wide-area network of ZPE boxes that I can use to manage the entirety of my infrastructure. So in theory, things can go really bad on my production network because of reasons. And I've still got full connectivity into the ZPE out-of-band WAN, if you want to use that term. That is exactly what, what we're providing. Now you said just one little detail. I wanted to pick out. You mentioned all oh, it could be MPLS. Does that mean your box actually speaks MPLS, or that I could just wire it into like an MPLS network?
1: No, no. We can, we actually talk MPLS as well. Oh my. <laughs> okay. So we we have we have even a full routing stack in our boxes. So the best one, and I think Frank, you you came up with that analogy. Think of us more like a server dedicated to management and operations than a appliance which just. Thus, out of band, so a full-blown server essentially to our customers with all its capabilities.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. So this this is a big fancy box, then. Uh, it feels like you. I also uh, picked up uh, SFPs so that I can pop in, you know, whatever fiber connectivity I require. Is that? Is there some speed limitation there? Um, like, well, I mean, I'm not going to be putting a 400 gig optical into my ZP box, but I could go one or 10 gig, I assume.
1: Yes, so we fully support SFP plus interfaces up to ten gigs. So that is what we see in most of our customer environments. We have a couple like Frank who are asking for higher speed. so we are currently evaluating that as well. But for WAN connectivity, I mean, you just you you uh, you insert a long distance SFP, uh, then then we can go long distance. Or for your normal LAN connectivity, you just put your one or ten gig interface in.
0: All right, so there's one thing that some people are going to be a little bit hung up on, and it's this. If I'm used to running my tools on my laptop and all I really care about is just being able to connect over the out-of-band WAN, let's say, to my ZPE box, what does running the tools on the ZPE box actually
1: give me? The main point then is really around automation. Uh, so if if you look at automation, what, what you're trying typically to do is to automate your day-to-day jobs, right? So that means you might need to have a file server. You might need to have some other small little tools. Let's say you want to do a firmware update on, on a router or you need to recover a router. You might need to have a local TFTP server in that environment. Those are all the tools which we can directly run locally on the box. You can't really run a TFTP server locally on your laptop and then through VPN go down, right? So that so those are all the ones um, where we are starting off and then customers really take it wherever, wherever they want to. The big benefit is that you have everything in one single place. So from um corporate perspective, you have more control over it than just running it off your laptop.
0: Uh, you, you really sensed it for me as soon as you, you, you made the point. There are certain things you can't do on your laptop or would be hard to do from your laptop just because of distance, latency, the practicality of it, maybe the hodgepodge of spaghetti tunnels that you might be using to get from your laptop into the infrastructure, talk to the ZPE box and then be able to manage it. As soon as you got that string wire and spaghetti up, maybe it's okay. Maybe it's a bit fragile. Maybe the only thing you've got going is is an SSH connection and there's a lot of hoops you'd have to run through to make all of your tooling work. But if all I need to do is connect to the ZPE box and all my tools are there and I can run them locally, I have a performance benefit, I have a reliability benefit that are that, that's immediately obvious at that point. Uh, and so then the, there might just be a, an operational mindset change for people who are used to doing things off their laptop or, you know, in some other way to get uh, the full benefit of going with the ZPE solution. <laughs> Not that I think that would be that hard, but because uh, it's an easy sell, but still.
1: Yeah, and no, I'm not even sure if it's that much of a change. If you think about jump boxes, they're doing yeah. exactly the same thing for the last 10 years, right? So uh, essentially what we are providing is the same capabilities as a jump box. Uh, we have even a couple of customers who deploy extra jump boxes as VMs on, on top of our uh, appliances. Just okay. Just because they feel more comfortable using a Windows jump box than, than a Linux system. So then my ZPE
0: would actually be an interesting win for zero-touch provisioning then, too. Um, I could stand those boxes up, have them point to the ZPE server, and then off they go and uh, begin the provisioning process, yeah?
1: Um, That is actually one of the core features which we use for what most of our larger uh, customers are using us for. They're using us um, as, as a first device in a remote location that initial seed, which essentially then bootstraps the rest in the uh, the environment up. So they typically just buy a unit from us, ship it on site, they provision it remotely, and then from there, all the rest of the equipment and infrastructure gets bootstrapped from our device.
0: Got it. Okay. It's all coming together for me now here. I think a good way to cement this part of the conversation, Renee would be to walk us through what a typical ZPE deployment in the real world looks like. That'll bring all the components together and I think uh, bring together this part of the conversation we've had so far.
1: So typical deployments, they can start really small because I don't want to down downplay really our out-of-band uh, offering. So we have traditional out-of-band customers who just buy our console switches or deploy our management software somewhere in the data center. They might start off with one or two devices. And just do out of bed, traditional break fixed. And then from there, you can grow to customers like Frank or uh, other customers are doing where they're really using all the capabilities on the same platform. Important thing here is you don't need to buy any other hardware. It's all built into our OS. So whatever hardware you buy or whatever appliance you buy, they all have the same capabilities. It's up to the customer to use them or not to use them. So typical deployment then for large environments looks like you buy one or two appliances for each site, depending how much redundancy you want. You build your OOB-VARN connectivity. We have our own solution with our uh, with a SaaS-based uh, CP cloud offering, but customers can just deploy their own OOB-VARN. And then from there, you connect up your enterprises, you manage them, you deploy the tools you need, and you're ready to go.
0: Now, the ZB platform I build. Do you, you mentioned it comes with all the capabilities, whether you use them all or not. So it sounds like there's no license levels or anything I'm concerned about. Is that right?
1: On the licensing side, we are relatively lightweight. I would say there's one for a large amount of um, managed devices. That is more if you go into a virtual environment and you want to manage thousands of IPMI devices or anything like it. So for most customers, that doesn't really apply. Um, and then for more advanced features like the virtualization, we have we have one per box license, but that's it.
0: Okay. Are there different models then where I pick and choose which ZPE box I want
1: based on number
0: of connections I need or what radios I might want in it, that sort of thing?
1: Yes, there is. We start off from really, really small, from around about the size of a mobile phone to full one-use sized modular, uh, which is an NetSR That is actually the one which uh, Vapor is using. Um, and you typically decide based on connectivity what you need. Uh, Most of the devices are upgradable in terms of CPU memory and the amount of ATE modems you want to have in them, but the physical amount of serial ports or network interfaces, that typically defines which appliance you go with.
0: That makes sense. Uh, Now, you mentioned as small as a mobile phone. What is that device? I'm curious.
1: So we call it the Mini SR and has a full stack, has LTE, has Wi-Fi, has network interfaces. You just plug it in and you're ready to go.
0: Okay. And uh, hold, hold that over to the camera. Now, now, you guys listening can't see this thing, but uh, Renee is actually showing me. And yeah, it's roughly the size of a, of a mobile phone. It would fit in the palm of your hand. It's got antennas bristling out of either side. It's got multiple interfaces on this thing and it's got a big heatsink yeah. on top. So yeah, you can position that just about anywhere.
2: And Renee, you need to tell everyone that it's hardened, right? So that environmentally, that thing, you can put it in a cabinet
1: out in the middle of the desert and it's good to go. Yeah. So all of our devices, uh, so security for us is quite, quite important. So all of our devices provide security from the hardware level up down to the OS. And most of them are hardened in terms of mm-hmm. the temperature range and, and everything else as well. The mini SR, you can run off a battery. I use that for shows. I just plug it into the battery, and it runs for two days straight off the battery. Hmm.
0: Now, the big ones the, that I can fit in a rack, you said, are modular. Uh, so, what does that mean? Depending, is that like expansion? For uh, is that the point of the modules, or is that because I want this sort of a radio and not that sort of a radio, and so I pick, you know, that module?
1: No, the NetSR is fully modular. It's it's one new box has five slots and you pick and choose. So from okay. uh, the chassis itself comes with uh, two SFP plus interfaces, two Ethernet interfaces, a couple of USB, uh, and then the CPU, memory, and everything else in it. So it's ready to go. We have a couple of customers who use it as a management appliance because they don't want to stand up a VM. They just use bare box as a as management appliance. But the real power comes from we have a wide range of different modules starting from serial over usb standard uh, ethernet sfp uh, 1 gig 10 gig storage ate 5g there's probably more but, uh, oh <laughs> right. and in in compute so and you literally you just pick and choose from the from the range of the cards you slot them in and you're ready to go
0: Compute? Why would I care that much about compute one way or the other? I mean, it, wouldn't it just be CPU? I mean, what, why do I care? You guys are going to put a big enough CPU in, I would imagine. So why would I be making choices there?
1: So choices comes then really from... So what most customers are starting to do is, or where they're starting off is, they typically come with an out-of-band question to us. And that's where we're starting. And then over time, and Frank is still mad at me that we didn't mention a couple of the features in the beginning, they're starting to develop new features or new use cases for the appliances in their own environment. And then they're starting to say, hang on a second, I can replace that box and I can replace that box. So an environment where space is really of a challenge, you might want to have just a white box server. We can put your own ass on it and run whatever you want on it. And that is the reason why we have the compute card.
0: If I'm thinking outside the box here, what else can I do with this one U of rack space? If I put more compute into this thing, I can run anything I want on it. That maybe is management related, but doesn't even have to be necessarily. Uh, exactly. It, okay. So I can load more compute power into there for those, for those purposes. Oh, does this, can I run containers on it? Yes. Yes, of course I can. Okay. Of course. You <laughs> way ahead of me.
1: So you can run containers and full-blown VMs. You pick and choose.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Containers or full-blown VMs.
1: All right. So Frank, I want to bring
0: you into the conversation here. Uh, we've talked a lot about the platform. You are a consumer of uh, of ZPE. You guys are using it in, uh, for Vapor.io at your kinetic grid uh, edge compute I don't know if I
2: got all your branding right, Frank. Just tell us how you're <laughs> using the box. <laughs> that's okay. Our our CMO, Matt Treferro, will probably flog me after this uh, because I didn't get it right either. That's okay. Yeah, so, so Vapor.io, imagine we're a regional data center, co-location, and network operator. We call it the kinetic grid, but that's how it kind of translates. But if you think about it, we take a large centralized data center, you break it apart into multiple buildings across a metro landscape, like, for instance, we have seven locations in Chicago, and you tie it all together with fiber, which we manage, not own, but we light our own dark fiber between the facilities so we can get a predictable you know, performance result for our clients. And all of those facilities act as one. So if you had four cabinets in a central data center, you pick them up, spread them across the landscape, they would think that they're in the same room together because the network is transparent to them, the experience is transparent to them. And we expose all the, we kind of contextualize or operationalize um, all of our locations and provide that via our sense platform so customers can take actions. I know that was a big mouthful, but (laughs) our platform basically exposes all of the network telemetry All the way down to, hey, what are the optical power levels on this link? If you want to know those things or the temperature of the batteries that are charging in the UPS, we kind of open the kimono and share all that data with our clients so they can make an informed decision on whether they should have workloads running there. So they should be moving their workloads if the building is going into distress. Because these facilities range everything from smart poles to street furniture to micromodular data centers to telecom shelters to small, you know, 20 and 30 rack data centers. That's, that's kind of our operational size. So some of these facilities like the street furniture, there's no generation there, but you may be running a critical, you know, smart city function there that you may need to move if something goes bad. And to do that, uh, you need our platform just constantly has APIs that you can pull and, and get, gather that data and make that informed orchestration decision. So with all the kinetic grid
0: sites that you've got, you mentioned that the network feels like, you know, one, one big network to the boxes that are being hosted by your customers there. What is the interconnection between the data centers?
2: We build and maintain and run our own network. uh, So it's predictable. We main each link between each site is planned to be one millisecond or less. And we have to have distinct control and functions at every single point. We call it edge native. So each facility can run independently of each other, but they, we cluster them together in a way. Clustering is a bad word, but it's uh, they act as one through our platform. But those decisions, which is a good segue for this uh, discussion, is you need to run all of those decisions somewhere and run that software somewhere. Uh, collect all that data from somewhere and we need it to be at the site itself so we actually run it on all the ZPE boxes. Right, Renee said I was pissed at him. I was just like, what? Wait, <laughs> I don't have to have a bunch of 1U servers, white boxes out there. I can run things on this box too. Well, yeah, so, so talk about, you, you guys are going to bring a new Kinetic Grid edge compute
0: site up. W- what are the issues you face? What's that deployment process look like? Most of our systems and
2: things that we deploy are pre-built in a factory. They're micromodular data centers. They range anywhere from kind of two cabinets to 10 cabinets. They're not not that large, but they do have high density, or two cabinets, 20 kilowatts of compute available uh, space, meaning that we, they're just kind of like, think of it, it's the size of an F-150. It's got two slots in it to put in their server cabinets, or customers can bring their own cabinets. They can use one of our third party like cloud providers that may be installed in there already. And uh, that thing comes on a truck the and it has a pad and the crane is sitting there waiting for it. And so when that unit shows up on a truck, it gets picked up by the crane. It gets set on the pad. It gets bolted down. We connect the power, swing in the fiber, and we turn the unit on. Now, what happens when you turn it on? Well, it used to be I'd have network engineers and facilities engineers standing around in a very expensive way, uh, say, in the yep. middle of the Las Vegas desert and uh waiting to provision it in the middle of a dust storm it's like oh well that's that's no fun for anybody so with the cpe being our out-of-band box and there as soon as we apply power that comes online and so the cellular link comes up because we use we just in our configuration we choose cellular is one of the cards that can slot in and as soon as it comes online since it's pre-built and pre-configured at the factory the engineers can instantly remote in and see the status of the systems. So, okay. So
0: there's important detail here. So you, you, you crane drop this thing onto the pad, you plug in the fiber to the right spot and the ZPE box has got enough there to do what so that you can connect to it. It's got a phone home capability been pre-provisioned somehow.
2: Yeah. So I guess I'll back up a little bit. The way we configure our ZPE is the, you know, we have multiple cards within the new grid system. So we have a serial console, we have ethernet uh, for out-of-band management, we have cellular, and we also uh, have a have storage, uh, storage module there, so we can collect data and place it on there. We also uh, get the we're virtualization Docker license on it so we can run containers there. So when the unit spins up, the most fundamental thing is it comes online, it phones home, it says, Hey, I'm online. And if something happens, say the phone provider, say never a phone provider could mess something up, but say the IP address shifted on the unit or something between the last time it was powered on. And then it phones home and tells us its new IP address. And we jump onto the console and there's our out of band experience. We now have serial consoles to all of the network equipment at the site. And we also have out-of-band Ethernet management to all those devices. So if so one of them lost lost its config, we could fix that. Or we can just do a power-on test and watch the power-on tests, get to the PDUs to cycle power and things like that, and just do like a static test of the site as a first step when we bring it online.
0: Now, some boxes like this where you can, like like some SD-WAN boxes, the provider will work with the customer so that the SD-WAN node will ship from the factory pre-provisioned to come up and be adopted into their SD-WAN uh, cloud. Is it like that with the ZPE box, or is it you get it uh, at headquarters somewhere, someone builds the thing out, stages it, and then uh, it gets put into the, uh, the the two or 10 racks that are going to get dropped onto the pad?
2: That's a great question. So we do, in a way, um, We don't currently use ZPE's cloud service. We kind of have our own automation. Um, We're thankful that we have more than uh, 25 software engineers on our team. And so we have our own software shop. And so we were able to write part of our glue and automation that when the box comes on, it uh, kind of phones home and tells us what it's doing. The the pre-configuration of it, it used to be, you know, when we had a, we had a, cellular modem with a cell with a card and then we had an out-of-band router and out-of-band switch and out-of-band serial console Mm. and then we had a compute node and sometimes a laptop because it needed usb connections to things at the site we had all that giant stack and it took it took a long time meaning a day or two to get all that configured and working right um and it took a different class of engineer to do that. And now with the ZP, we we have a lab in Chandler, Arizona, where we stat, stage everything before it ships out to sites. Now it's um, you know entry level engineers and technicians that pull the pull the unit out of the box, put it on the bench, turn it on. Well, put the sim card in it, turn it on, register the sim, and that's it. Um, the box is then online available for the engineers to jump in from remote and provision the box. Um, because now we have a network pathway to the box before it even turns up an interface to the lab network to participate there. The cellular interface is up and Hmm. that gives us basically a console to this box, which is great.
0: Yeah, okay. So, but uh, you just mentioned something else that was interesting there. There there is a ZPE cloud service. So, uh, Renee, you want to mention what that is? Is that um, where you'd be pre-provisioning the box for the customer or what is that?
1: So, ZPA Cloud is for our customers, like in, um, it's an out of band SaaS service. Uh, really fulfills two functions. One is uh, zero touch provisioning. So, all of our service, actually, all of our appliances get pre enrolled to our cloud. The service routers by default call home as soon as they turn up. Uh, so, you can really take a unit, ship it anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. and the unit will phone home. And then from there, you can claim it and you can then push your configurations down. You can fully configure it from the cloud. Um, And after that, then you can actually use it as an out-of-band interface as well. Uh, uh, You don't need to stand up any VPNs or anything like it. It's fully encrypted through TLS tunnels. So you just jump onto our cloud, you open up a web session uh, or a console session, and you're directly on the interface.
0: That does feel uh, like like some of the SD WAN uh, equipment deployment models, where yeah, you you'll you'll ship it; it'll it'll come from the factory, pre shipped to uh, talk to you as a tenant, and then uh, you see it show up in your list when uh, when it phones home, and then you can adopt it, push policy to it, and begin making it uh, be useful, a useful participant in the SD WAN cloud. Not that I we need to get too far off on that, but uh, but but no, frankly, right. for you guys,
2: it was just easier to,
0: as you said, kind of
2: kind of roll your own. We did because that that service was new when we started using the appliances, and now we're taking a second look at it. But we use, um, we had asked uh, ZPE to go in a slightly different direction for us. Um, and this is what's cool about ZPE is they're flexible and they take feature requests seriously. Um, we uh, we use Salt for network automation on the back end, and we asked for uh, two things. One, we wanted to run salt proxy as a microservice, as a Docker container on the box so we could reach the local devices to gather and execute and do things like that. Uh, But we also wanted to manage the ZP box itself through our network automation. And so, you know, we're talking to Renee, we said, hey, it'd be great to manage via salt natively. And so they came out with a salt execution module for the node grid and we gathered it up and got the first version. I think hmm. we were the first guinea pigs for it. Uh, but the great part was, and what, the one thing I want to say about CPE is, they say it's going to do something, it does that. Uh, they're very solid engineering group. And so the first version did everything they said it was going to do. And it really didn't have a problem with it. And now we can run those configurations where you could use the cloud, or if you have an automation framework that you're already using, or if you're using salt, you could configure the node grid boxes with your native automation platform as well, which is what we do.
0: Now, if you're listening to this and you're going, wait a minute, so Frank's applauding ZPE engineering because the box does, or the feature does what they say it's going to do. I've been in this industry for a long time. That is not to be taken for granted. They can say it does something, and then there's all kinds of asterisks and caveats and limitations. And, well, we'll get to that other part in, you know, the next version. And it's months and months of lead time before the thing actually does what you say. So Frank is actually giving high praise here for uh, for ZP and, Engineering.
2: And, and for those out there who are listening that know me, they know that is exactly that. I'm usually... Um, the person who beats up vendors the hardest. So, (laughs) uh, you know, as most operations folks do, um, vendors are constantly disappointing. Uh, Our partnership with ZP has been really excellent uh, from day one. Um, And we were, you know, when we were faced with this decision, we had this huge other stack. Just to touch on this, we were looking at, we have to replace it. It was just way too costly. It had to be, come online without a technician in the, or an engineer in the field, just a technician in the field. And we were having all kinds of problems with our existing solution and scaling it, right? Because you want these things to be kind of lights up, power up and, and and operate lights out. And so we we're looking at other vendors and they were like, they were trying, they're trying their best and they were writing custom code and their professional services folks were scrambling to try to make it work for us. And then one of our engineers, uh, well, actually a director of network Engineering, he said, "Hey, there's this company I worked with before. Um, we should give them a try." And I said, "Okay, great." And as soon as we turned the box on, we're like, "Oh, yeah, we're starting to check all the boxes in our list." and the the easy button came out a couple of times, and we went, "Okay." And we went with ZP, and we actually deployed we didn't weren't planning on it, but for consistency and reproducibility of operations, we went system-wide. So we replaced our out-of-band over a six-month period and all our entire data center footprint nationwide. And we've even deployed them internationally as well. And it's just our our go-to. We use it hmm. in everything. And the smaller units we're going to start using in smart poles we're putting out there uh, around different metros. So.
0: Frank, you mentioned the complexity of the old management stack that you had, which I read uh, the white paper that you folks published on this. That was five units, if I remember, each each unit being some physical piece of hardware that did something specific within your stack. Is that right?
2: Yeah, it was was a modem, uh, out-of-band router, a switch, a serial console, and then a compute node. So we're talking five, almost six RU of management net um just to give an example we make these vm units our vapor edge modules in our VEM 20 the smallest unit is 20 kilowatts is two slots we have 12 ru of rack space for our own use that's it there's an end cap where the network racks are pulled down you can see a picture of it in the white paper but it's uh from going from using a whole rack on the end to using one RU to do the same mm. thing and more. Uh, it was a huge win for us because on, on those, especially when you're doing smaller spaces, or even if you're, you know, talking about that corporate IT office, remote office or something like that, and you're an enterprise, you, uh, you're heat constrained, you're power constrained, yep. you, you know, you have, and also the, you know, you, you've got to put a small box somewhere. You can't afford to put big, all that stuff and send a cable diagram out for someone who doesn't understand it to plug it in, or in this case, um, you know, it may be we're deploying and the guys that are deploying it are electricians and, and riggers from crane companies and the different class of, of tech in the field. And they're not network engineers. so They don't understand what opt, even optics are. They're like, Oh, where do I plug the cord in? You know, where do I, you know, they, they just, different class of technician in the field. And as you grow and expand, you can't send a network engineer to every location. Just no company can afford to do that. Um, so it, made it, it just made it a lot easier to deploy, have one one box that has a huge amount of functionality to it. It just made a lot of sense for us.
0: Uh, My application was different, but I used to bring remote offices on site for an enterprise and I'd have to color code everything because I was shipping them like uh, a WAN optimization box and some kind of a firewall and an edge router and, you know, whatever else. And that stack had to go together in a particular way. And uh, colored tape got me pretty, pretty far.
2: (laughs) Sure, the two pink ones go together, you know, that kind of thing in a diagram. we, We label both ends of every cable and the device and still they get plugged in the wrong place. You know how yeah. it goes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Can't blame the folks who are trying their heart best out there. So,
0: One other weird point I wanted to bring up, Frank, is I've I've run into this myself, is uh, you guys have some SCADA requirements out there, right? Oh, yeah.
2: So that, that's cornerstone to our platform, right? Uh, so we actually operate a full SCADA system locally in each unit. So temperature, humidity, airflow, differential pressures, Uh, door locks, all the different points of data, fan operation, compressor temperatures, all that kind of stuff that you imagine would run from a HVAC cooling system and everything around a facility. And we need to collect all that data in in real time. And then it needs to be running not only locally to make decisions locally, but then it also has to go from that kind of data puddle. It's not even a pond uh, to like... (laughs) The uh, the region which is kind of the puddle, or the, and then you know the central cloud which is a lake. Um, but we needed a better way to collect that. So currently we have a system from a company who is kind of they've end of life the product that we were leveraging, and so now we're taking in the new platform, well, not only our sense platform which does probably ninety percent of this, but the last bits they run on they'll be running on the ZPE box at some of our sites testing. And so they run on as a, as a container and we're collecting everything locally on the container. And so, um, and those things need to come online immediately. We need to know whether the, when you power on this box, one of the other things is the cooling plant should just come online. Or if it doesn't, you're like, Oh, something went wrong. Okay. It's not even talking. Well, we have a serial connection to it. Like what is the PLC saying to us? It's saying, Oh, you need to press the reset button or reboot me because it didn't come up. So, but we can do that through the out-of-band management, which is really um, mm-hmm. very handy to run that software locally and also have the physical connectivity in the same box. So we're going to one place to do all of those things.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not the scenario where the ZPE box is talking SCADA natively. But it sort of is. It's because you've got the container option or the or the compute option that you can run whatever software you want. You can make the thing talk say, SCADA effectively and uh, talk over to you know, the other box that is providing you that information. And you've still got the one point to go to, the one out-of-band place to go to, and you can still control everything.
2: Yeah. And I, I have a couple of points there, too. Is one is it's not only out-of-band, but it's also in-band. Right. So we, we, the way we cable this up is, you know, all the management ethernet interfaces and console ports are all plumbed into the ZPE unit. And then that's connected to our production network. And we do use the full routing stack. So the ZPE talks to the rest of our network and devices. And also I'll mention for all of those out there, we run our native, our management plane is hundred percent IPv6 native and the ZP box supports everything we need in the IPv6 world. Um, hmm. So when we're starting up and we don't have any fiber spans up yet or enabled, we can come in from out of band and we're on the, on the ZPE unit and we have a certain experience. Well, what's great is as soon as we bring the fibrous bands up and we now have in band available, we still connect the ZPE and we have the same user experience. So whether we're out of band or coming in over the wire, in band to the same box, we have the same look and feel. We don't have to get retrained. We don't have two things that we're working on. Hmm. So that that was a really big one, too, is that one user experience, one thing to train the technicians with, and consistency. So it lowers our total administrative overhead. Um, that was a big deal for us.
0: As one other note that I picked up, I think from the white paper, which is you're using your ZPE box in your CI/CD pipeline. It's, it's integrated in there somehow. Uh, how, how, how are you using that in your pipeline?
2: So uh, yes, the way the, the ZPE box is since it can run containers, we're running our network automation, uh, kind of think of it as Agents or and our salt proxies there. And so we can kick off and trigger network events that then execute locally or collect data locally or manipulate a configuration or whatever it may be remotely onto the ZP unit. So it runs edge native. Those decisions and those things instead of coming from central cloud and relying on everything in between, you know, East Wenatchee <laughs> all the way to. You know, uh, Las Vegas or Atlanta or Dallas or Chicago or Pittsburgh, wherever our locations are, Barcelona, wherever it is to go, rely on everything in between to work perfectly to make one thing, one decision, make one change. Um, We connect directly into the ZPE unit, and we run those that orchestration automation locally. And so, whatever it is, as we customer says, hey, I want to build a EVPN VXLAN connection between Barcelona and Las Vegas for some reason. And they want to do that. It runs locally on each ZPE, connects to the network infrastructure, the Juniper boxes or whatever it may be talking to. And then they all report back through that connectivity path back to the main uh, Vapor Network Automation service and uh, report back that everything's good to go. Or if Mm -hmm. something happened, something happened, there's an exception. So, But it runs those proxies and those services run natively there. And uh, we're uh, going system wide with that type of uh, automation is super cool. So that's very cool.
0: So, Frank, as you've been describing all this, uh, one point to make here is that there's a lot I can do with this box. It feels like feels like I can do almost anything with this box. Frank, uh, as a network engineer, I can use its native functionality. I can augment it with the functionality I want if it doesn't already have it.
2: Uh, Is that that a fair assessment? I think it's a a really a uh, good way to describe it. It's the the old analogy of it's a Swiss Army knife that for a network engineer. So it, it is a multi tool that if that it's one it's not one size fits most like a bad fitting hat or something. It's <laughs> you have this platform that is expandable. So we configure the physical hardware. We select the. The expansion cards we want to put in it that fit our environment. We, you know, whether you want RG45 console or you want USB console, or you could you do all kinds of things with it. So you can select the hardware that fits your environment, and then the software is extensible. So whether you use the native their native configuration tool or we use Salt and it comes in from the outside using our automation platform, um, we can do those things, and then we can run services on top of it that augment the box that leverage the box being physically connected to everything and it is a platform so it this is one of those things that you can bend it to your own own ways and every i don't know about you but every company i've been in does it does everything their own way you know we all do the air quotes we yeah. do operational best practices industry best practices well those best best practices are unique to every operation so yes. uh, the good news is this this box is that swiss army knife that allows us to do all these functions Actually whine about everybody doing everything
0: their own way because it's the bane of automation and standardization across the industry because we're all kind of doing it ourselves. That's um it's goodness bad. Oh God, goodness yes. bad. Yeah. Yeah. so Renee, back to you. Uh this has been a great conversation about CPE systems. If you would leave people with some some takeaways, some highlights from the conversation that you think are important things that should stand out to everybody.
1: Um, yeah. So so we as uh, I guess for us from ZB Systems, we really want to offer our customers an automation infrastructure platform, and that it means for some customers it's just out of band, it's just your traditional um, out of band console server in your data center or in your branch office or anything like it. But really, what I want customers to take away with is that should be really your starting point across your automation infrastructure, wherever that takes you on the on your automation journey. Who knows where it leads uh, us? Could be salt, could be Ansible, could be who knows something else in five years, um, which I can't really think about yet. Uh, so that is probably the the biggest takeaway is uh, hmm. start where you are feeling comfortable with and
0: then grow from there. Very good. And if uh, people want to know more about CPE systems, Renee, where would you send them?
1: Uh, so you can find more information about us and uh, thanks to you on um dpsystems.com slash packetpushers. You will find the white paper from Frank on it. Uh, you will find a couple of more information about the blueprint. The blueprint, which we wrote, is really open. So it's not dedicated to ZP systems. Have a read through it. Maybe maybe you get some ideas from it. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. And then from there, just reach out to me and say, you were wrong. So. <laughs> So, Renee, if people want to reach out to
0: you and tell you that you're wrong, uh, are you on social media? How can people get a hold of you?
1: Probably the best way is via LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not great on social media, on on a couple of Slack channels, but not really that active. Okay.
0: And uh, Frank, over to you as far as social, or are you out there active anywhere?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, Vapor has uh, quite the platform. Myself, I'm on LinkedIn. Just uh, I think I'm just LinkedIn slash Frank Basso. So I'm always out there and willing to connect with uh, new folks, members of lots of groups. I'm at, you know, the typical places, like if you're a Nanog person, I'm usually there. And so, uh, oh, I might've missed you in Atlanta. Did you make Atlanta? I didn't make that one. It it, uh, it was too much of a hike uh, for me on this one, but I'll be at the next for sure.
0: Okay, great. Well, thanks to both of you for appearing on Day2Cloud. And if you're still listening, virtual high fives to you for tuning in. You are an awesome human. If you have suggestions for future shows, vendors you want us to try to get on a sponsor so you can hear from them, let us know. Uh, Ned Belavance, who is our normal co-host, couldn't make the show today because of a schedule conflict, but uh, he and I monitor at Day2Cloud show on Twitter. Or if you're not a Twitter person, go up to day2cloud.io and fill out the topic request form. Now, maybe you're a vendor and you've got a way cool cloud product you wanna share with our audience of IT professionals. You too can become a day two cloud sponsor, just like ZPE Systems. You're gonna reach several thousand savvy IT professionals, all of whom have problems to solve and maybe your product fixes their problem. We'll never know unless you tell them about your amazing solution. Find out more at packetbushers.net slash sponsorship. And until then, just remember, cloud is what
1: happens while IT is making other plans.